that's where my life really went through a really, really rough patch for 14 months. I didn't like me. My wife didn't like me. I didn't know if we would make it and survive through that time. I was manic. I drank too much. I ate too much. This whole dream of like, I'm gonna sell my business and then I'm gonna be free and do whatever I wanna do for me became a nightmare and I have no desire to ever be there ever again. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business and make it stop running you so you can enjoy your work and your life. I'm Trisha Shortino, the CEO of Belay. And I'm Lisa Zeveld, the COO of Belay. Together, we're TNLZ. We've known each other since 2005 and have had the privilege of working together for almost a decade. We've grown a 100% remote business from startup to being recognized on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list for six years running. Yes, LZ and I have learned a lot along the way and have made some great friends and partners. For the one next step, we are cashing in some favors to bring you episodes filled with excellent content delivered by some talented people. And we may have a thing or two to add ourselves. The one next step is here to help you on your leadership journey. That's right. Each week, we release a new episode answering your questions about running an organization. We will always highlight one next step for you to take immediate action and include an activation guide that reinforces what you've heard today. Today, we have Casey Graham as our guest. We are thrilled for Casey to join our show. Mm -hmm. Casey is the co-founder and CEO of Gravy, an organization that helps businesses collect unpaid recurring payments. Before launching Gravy, Casey founded The Rocket Company, where he helped church leaders scale their financial leadership and fundraising opportunities. Not only has Casey launched three businesses, but he's authentic and passionate about helping business owners. He understands what makes a business successful and what can lead to its failures. Today, Casey is going to help us recognize how unsatisfied owners create unfocused and unmotivated leaders and what to do about it. So listen as we talk with Casey. Welcome to the podcast, Casey. It's great to have you. I'm so fired up. I love you too. <laughs> I really do. Welcome, welcome. I do. Of course you said fired up. That is so your words. Oh. Words right there. Well, I am. We're excited to have you. Yeah, Thank you. we know Thank you, you are. This is going to be a great episode. Uh, thanks. I was just told today uh, they came in and I, I didn't know because I say fired up, but there's different versions of it. So there's oh, excited. What? There's pissed. <laughs> There's all the different oh. versions of fired up. So, so today I just learned that. So that's a fun fact. So, which kind of fired up are we? Yeah. Before <laughs> this interview, I have been on the pissed side. Okay. The pissed oh. fired up. I have, I have, and I don't think entrepreneurs talk enough about uh, the frustrations of of doing this thing. You know, uh, it's all the glitz well, we're and about the glamour. To. Good, good, yeah. good. All right, cool. Yeah, you, yeah. You, I can tell your vibe is off right now. So we're going to have to like, you get we're going to change his like, vibe. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yeah. All right, we're we're so it. we're going to start by changing the vibe by letting you share something fun about you. What's fun, fascinating Casey facts? I am super uncomfortable if I'm not drinking wine out of a red solo cup. <laughs> no, really? Like in a wine glass, you mean? No, no, no. Yeah, no, I, if it's not in a red solo cup, I don't really want it. So, oh, like, 
Is that not fun? <laughs> you're, you're it's like, interesting. <laughs> so do you bring solo cups to restaurants? So no, you know but I want to. I want to. You want to. <laughs> but so like pretentiousness and bouginess, even though I like nice hotels, that's the only thing I like uh, to be bougie. <laughs> the rest of life is that I was arrested at 10 years old. Uh, I don't know if that's fun for breaking beer bottles in the street. And my nickname was Cussing Casey. Cussing Casey. I wish I knew him. Yep. Well, I was a red, I was a redhead and I've had the same mentor from the time I was seven years old till today. And his name is Ken Polk. You guys may know Ken. Yeah. And uh, he helped me, he helped cussing Casey from getting kicked out of a basketball league when I was seven for aggression. So those are some fun kind of nuggets, I guess. I love y'all, that. Y'all don't seem like they're very fun. Yes. <laughs> you can see how the fire up started way back in the day. <laughs> and my wife's name is Casey. Right. So if I talk about Casey on the episode. Uh, I'm not talking about myself in third person. Because that would be weird. Garth Brooks does that. I think he talks about himself in third person. But see, I don't. I, I actually have to call you out on this. I don't like it that you said the fiery redhead part of it because I don't think as a redhead, I think we get a bad rap for having a bad temper. And I don't think I have a bad temper. Well, but that's because you're a mature, elegant person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, yeah. I thought you were going to say, ask my husband. He might have a different response. <laughs> <to that. laughs> oh, no, well, you're as smooth as can be. I love it. My sister's a redhead, too. Look, I'm surrounded by redheads. It must be a thing, right? So you two and my sister sisters are redheads so yeah hmm. yeah interesting facts yeah yeah all right so we're gonna dive in fast here okay. we got your vibe up i'm feeling it you're fired up you're fired up in an excited way now okay. got it so i want to know why did you decide to sell your previous business what made you sell the rocket company why'd you leave the short story is i got an unreasonable amount of money for a business and it was going to be upfront and it was going to be a lot of cash. And it was a lifelong dream to start, grow and sell a business. And I wanted to be a millionaire. Hmm. I didn't say that to myself at the time. And I lied to myself and everybody else about why I was selling it. But as I look back, I wanted the money. I wanted the success of it. I wanted the story of it. And I wanted all of that, uh, even though I wouldn't have admitted it at the time. But you're not a guy who likes to be bougie, though. So that's in, that's a that's a weird dichotomy. It wasn't about the bougie. You were going after the dollar amount, though. No, so. I was trying to make my dad proud. I, I, and I didn't know it. I, so it wasn't really about, like, I don't have, like, big taste of, like, I need to buy the, you know, a bunch of homes and do a bunch of stuff. Like, that's just, I don't want all that stuff. So mine was about security and people think I'm a risky entrepreneur, but I'm extremely fiscally conservative. And so like, I don't like debt. I don't like stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't like all that. So there's something about that security that I thought that having a big bank account would give me for the rest of my life. And then it would take my angst away. It would take my darkness away. It would take depression, anxiety, all that stuff would go away if I was settled there. And so there was a lot of that going on, maybe a little too deep for you too early in the show. No, 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 actually, no. it's perfect. So then maybe it wasn't a realization. So was there a decision point where you said, I'm going to sell this business? Or did it come to you then? Or did you kind of wake up and decide, hey, I, I can go this route, sell this business, and to your point, make this money, receive this accolade, have the success. And so mm -hmm. you, there was this moment in time where you decided that was what was going to happen for you? 
Yeah, I always had the dream of like selling the business, you know, like the success magazine, the story, the they mm-hmm. did it, the finish line, the hit, like there was a lot of that in it. And so for two years, I, I tried to sell the business for three years before it sold. Oh, and okay. a lot of war stories in selling a business. People think it's a, you know, this smooth, easy transact. Like it's not, it's, it's very, mm-hmm. especially if your business isn't like this great business, like, you know, right, like, Slack that's being bought for $28 billion or something like yeah, that. Right. If you're just like this smaller business, you got these people coming in and, and it's, 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 it's hard and it's nasty. And so for two years, I've tried every quarter of the person that ended up buying the business would send me a message. Hey, are you ready? Hey, are you ready? Hey, are you ready? And, um, you know, they kept, we kept going into what's called due diligence and they would tell us how ugly we were naked. Basically <laughs> that's what due diligence oh, is. That's always a yeah. No, I know. That's what it is. It's because on the external and you send them the reports and all this stuff, and then they come back through and they're looking at all these different things of, you know, and telling you why. And that's actually was the birthplace through the due diligence process of what I do now at Grady came as a result of me understanding what, Mm -hmm. what people that buy businesses and find value in businesses look for. And anyway, so yeah, it took two years and then uh, he ended up making an offer 5X of what his initial offer was and there were no contingencies and it was all cash. So that's how it worked. Wow. So how did the exit go? You signed the papers, the deal is done. Went and partied. Went and partied. I did. We had had a big celebration. What I really realized is that nobody really cares about your your successes as much as you do. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, there's a few people that you can really, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, failure unites, okay? You'll see it everywhere. You'll see it in relationships. You'll see it in families. Failure unites, pretty girl, let's get together. Let's talk about how bad it is. You know, failure will bring people together. Success separates. Right. And so instantly there was a separation that happened, meaning I felt like two weeks later when I'm sitting in a Starbucks by myself, and I'm looking at the clock going, I don't have anywhere to be. I've, I got freedom. I got what all the entrepreneurs want, right? I got the freedom. Yeah. And it was the longest days and my life started to deteriorate. And I started to not have the crutch of the busyness of being in business every day. And, and I didn't have the purpose of what goal we're going to go for next. That In the moment, it seems like it sucks, but then... And then I didn't have the planning meeting of the, the two-day retreat where you go away and you're thinking about, and it's just, there's just emptiness. And it's just, I have no structure. I have nobody waiting. I have no accountability. I have no sense of space and time. And I got what people, what I thought I wanted, which was freedom. And what I found out is that ultimate freedom of doing what you want to do with who you want to do it, when you want to do it is ultimately hell for me. And so yeah. that's where my life really went through a really, really rough patch for 14 months. I didn't like me. My wife didn't like me. Uh, I didn't know if we would make it and survive through that time. I was manic. I was, I tried 13. I, I tried, y'all probably, y'all heard all the ideas. <laughs> I tried, <laughs> I tried 12 ideas in 13, in 14 months, just started doing crazy stuff. Um, I drank too much. I ate too much. I went and did all that stuff. Stuff. And so this whole dream of like, I'm going to sell my business and do whatever, and then I'm going to be free and do whatever I want to do for me became a nightmare. And I have no desire to ever be there ever again. 
Yeah. It's interesting because I actually met you. We became friends right during that period when you were selling Rocket Company and actually kind of got to see you go through that. And it was, you know, like you said, I don't think most people understand or imagine it's going to be that way. I think there's this story that we tell all entrepreneurs and business owners that you're going to ride off into the sunset. And you were so transparent and so authentic that I got to kind of see part of that journey of that unhappiness. Where do you, do you feel like that was just unique to you? Or do you feel like this as you've kind of, you know, leaned into your peers and your network that this is pretty common? It's very common. And the thing I've learned is, think about it. When's the last book you saw come across your desk of like post-exit stuff? Yeah, no. You don't see it because it's very rare that exits actually really go through and happen. And so Mm -hmm. it's so rare. There's not a lot on it. There's not a lot of groups. There's not a lot of things. And I found a white paper that I'm more than happy to send you guys that then your audience can, can see if, if we want to do that as well. Yeah. And on the white paper, it was a study that a private equity group had done on a hundred post exit founders of a study of their life. They've sold for over $10 million. And what do they do? What happens to their lives? All that stuff. A third of them buy their old businesses back which I oh thought was gosh. interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. That's a large percent. Yeah. Because the entrepreneur loves to be the hero. Right. They love to swoop in when the cells aren't there and get everybody, you know, and then they claim victory and success. They, it's, it's, it's a similar version of that. So a third do that. A third go and they, they buy a smaller business that they run. And a third of people try to become investors and lose their money. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it, it relates to, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, how much our identities are tied to what we do for a living. 100%. Right. Yes. So I think we think like, oh, it's just my job or it's just my work, but I'm this whole other person. I'm this wife, I'm this spouse, I'm this yeah. father. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a daughter and a sister and I have all these hobbies, but I, I think it's a really good reminder that we do as individuals, especially Americans, totally. tie so much of who we are into what it is we do in our careers and we're invested in. It actually gives us purpose and meaning. And I feel that way myself. Like I take great purpose and meaning from my work. So to your point, Casey, I can't imagine that it being gone tomorrow and I'm sitting in a Starbucks like, without a goal or a plan or, you know, kind of to sit there and go, what is it I do now? Yeah. And that's the, so that was the the beauty of this. And again, it doesn't have to be this way for everybody. So it is this way for a lot of people. I mean, like the founder of Minecraft that becomes a billionaire and, yeah. you know, no, I'm saying like, go read the stories. Like when I see somebody exits, the first thing that goes through my mind, or if I see they raised a bunch of capital round of hundred million dollars, the first thing that goes through my mind is, I wonder what their partner, spouse, or kids, how, how they feel right now. That, because, yeah. because I've been on the other side of it and I've been on the go home and the, and the not the LinkedIn and not the article and the flip side of it. And I just, I, I feel sorry or bad for a lot of people and not for their success. I'm happy that they did that. I just know that there's humans behind it. And I know there's real people mm-hmm. behind it. I know Steve Jobs' daughter didn't invite him to the gradu- her graduation. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, these are real things. This mm-hmm. is real life. And how you experience your life is the most important part of life. And so it's important. Let me give you three things that you lose when you sell your company, okay? You lose your purpose. And what I mean is 
listen, I'm a Christian. I can say I'm a follower of Jesus. All this that's great. You still got to wake up and go do like you don't just sit in your house and, and that's fulfilling. There's a reason we do something. So you lose your right. purpose. So you sitting there listening to this podcast and going, I've got these goals and like it's hard and all this like you think that it's hard in the in the journey and the conversations and the tough work, but you're shooting towards something. And when that goes away, you better have something else. So you need to retire to something, not mm-hmm. from something. So that was a big learning. Oh, that's good. Second thing you lose is you lose the structure of time. Dear entrepreneur mm-hmm. listening to this, thinking that you just don't want to be anywhere or be accountable to anybody and have nothing to do. Some of the worst versions of yourself will happen in that space. Mm-hmm. There's something good about being account. Like when I look that we have now 76 full-time people and that my actions then affect other people. It keeps me just grounded, you know, like in like mm-hmm. this yeah. matters. And so losing a structure that, and then the last thing you lose is your community. So as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. for me, you really don't think about this, that especially if you're in a smaller business, let's say under a hundred million dollars, and you founded it, you let these people in because of alignment and like you won battles together and you've got like these great stories. Okay. I handed the keys over, went down the street. They were still going Mm -hmm. and I lost all that. And Mm -hmm. for me, because I didn't have a good exit plan and I wasn't honest with people about exiting and I wasn't honest in the process about it, they felt like I sold them. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't show your business, but there's a way to do it where you can be authentic through the process and honest about it so that on the flip side, everybody's in alignment and agreement. It doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with the decision. It just means that they knew it was coming. You know, one of the things I I respect you for many, many different reasons, but I'm going to hit on one, is that you have been so authentic and transparent in this journey. Um, You've really used LinkedIn as a great platform Mm -hmm. to really encourage other entrepreneurs and, and just individuals who are in business, and you've got this great following to do that. So now as you are in gravy and running full speed ahead, what are some things that you're doing different now in gravy that you did not do in the rocket company? Yeah. The very first thing we did is that we built a criteria. When I say we, I'm talking about Renee and I, so y'all know Renee Mm -hmm. or you know, Renee, if you don't know Renee, everybody's always like, I want a Renee. There's only Mm -hmm. one. And she started as a part-time virtual assistant 18 years ago. (laughs) So uh, that's where she started. But now we're co-founders in this business and uh, she's great. So when I say we, I'm talking about her. Um, we built a criteria and this was very important. And the criteria was that the next business idea that we go full board in, that it had to have certain things and it couldn't have other things. So let me give you an example. Number one, it had to have a, a high ACV. So the monthly mm-hmm. payment had to be over on average a thousand dollars a month or we weren't going to get into it. So that was number one. Right. Number two, it had to have recurring revenue. So the mm-hmm. revenue had to be a recurring revenue. Number three was it had to be something that that was brand focused, not Casey focused, meaning mm-hmm. I was Mickey Mouse in my last company and I had to get on camera and do all this stuff all the time. It's like I was done doing that after eight years. And so it had to be a brand business, not a Casey business. Mm-hmm. Number four was that I wouldn't have to sell it or Renee wouldn't have to service or deliver it. 
and so that we would be disconnected from the actual doing of the business so that we can leave the business. Right. So we built those kind of uh, things in. And so uh, that helped us pick the right kind of business that we knew that we could stay in for longer than 18 months without being miserable. So that's the functional side. Now let's get to the, the heart side. This was the biggest difference is that we built what's called owner's intent. So this is the number one concept that's going to be in my book that as we talk about it, people go, oh my gosh, like I've never heard of that. Owner's intent is this. <laughs> I was in Alpharetta, it, it, it's a, a town in Atlanta, and I was in a, a boardroom when we just started this company and we hired this guy to come in. His name was Brian Core. Brian Core came in and he was going to help us with our strategic plan for the business because he's a strategic planning expert. We kept talking about, well, here's what we want the business to do. We need it to be this size and we're going to be this many. Con-. And he kept saying, Casey, I don't care about the business. Why do you wake up every day and why are you going to want to be interested in this business two years from now when that happens? I was like, no, no, Brian, we just need to get revenue and we need to. And so I start, I'm doing, I'm doing business intent. He said, Casey, you told me after your last time, you didn't know why you're in business. You didn't know why you sold the company. We're not going to let this happen this time. And so we're going to build an owner's intent and the owner's intent is Mm-hmm. You being in a single sentence, crystal clear about your intention with building the business. My owner's intent that we built, it took 90 days to build this, was to build a company that my adult children would want to work at someday if they so chose to. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's my owner's intent. Now, people always go, were you trying to build a life, uh, like a big business, generational business? The answer is no. But I'm going to make every decision as if my adult child was working in that business. Casey, why are you so transparent about the finances with everybody? Why do you tell everybody everything? Because I would want my 29-year-old daughter when she came home from Christmas and she's sitting at dinner table say, Dad, let me tell you what our owner does. Right. Why do you put people up in the best hotels when we do travel? We do that because I would want my adult daughter to come home and tell me. Mm-hmm. So my filter of everything, our hiring, our firing, our culture, how we do LinkedIn, how we're doing this interview, what we do in Slack, what we don't do, all of that is filtered through that. And that's my purpose. And that's my why inside of this business. And so building that intent is what allows me to be here today more fired up than I was three years ago, because my daughter now is the junior celebrations coordinator on our team. She's in Slack. She, in the summer, sends thank you notes to all of her first-time clients. And she, this morning, she's in our channel called Decade of Destiny, where we help people plan 10 years of their lives inside of the company in three main areas. And she's seeing all this. And literally, I tagged her this morning and said, Darby, this is why I'm stressed. Like, this is why we work so hard is for this story. And it was a story of somebody with a kid of autism, and they've saved their paycheck from gravy for the last two years, and they're going to be able to move to Jacksonville to get their kid that help. That's what I want for Darby. For Gage, that's what I want to build. So that's a long answer, but that's the difference here is I don't need $50 million. I don't want more. If we sold the company one day, great. But it's, I need fulfillment. I need a story. I need a, that energizes me. That's my fuel. That's what fires me up. And so I'm going to shut up now. I'm preaching. No, no, no. preach, 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 preach. (laughs) So good. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, so what would you tell someone who doesn't? who doesn't know, let's pretend you have already started a business. Okay. So yeah, happens all the time. To the, right. So someone's in business and to your point, you ask them the questions with what is your intention with this? And they don't know, is there a process or step? Like what would you recommend to somebody? They're listening to this podcast and go, gosh, I don't have that. I'm not clear. Yeah. What, what, what or maybe t- the, what maybe the intent isn't something they can share. 
That's it. Right. Right. True. Well, you know, well, you don't have to. it might be to sell and make a million dollars and, sh- and be successful. Bingo. Right. Step number one of owner's intention. I have no judgment on anybody's owner's intention. I'm going to say this because Renee made me take it out of the book. If, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I literally wrote this in. I said, if your owner's intention is to like have nice stuff and be single and have sex with as many people as you want to have sex with because you're rich. See, now you're going to cut this yeah. out of the show. But no, we, no I we're said, not cut anything out of the show. Uh, but but I said, <laughs> I told Renee, I said, if that was somebody's owner's intention and they told me that, I have no, ju- that is, yeah. that is their right. intention. Just the, the, you have to be authentic with it is the key. Agreed. And if you want to build a lifestyle business, literally a great urgent intention might, might be, I want to build a lifestyle business that, that gives me $25,000 of net profit every month. Great. But when you hire people, tell them that. Like when you're making decisions about why we're not going to, why we're not going to give you more budget. Well, instead of doing that, because you just want EBITDA to sell the company, tell them, this is why I'm doing this. Like be honest about it in the process. Mm -hmm. And so owner's intention is there's no judgment. And if you say, I want to be a billionaire, I don't, there's no judgment inside Mm -hmm. of it. You just got to be honest about it. So number one is it's got to be yours. It took me 90 days to be honest with mine. Okay. Uh, to be ruthlessly honest and go, what's going to last? What's going to matter? So number one, number two, the first step is to, is to write down everything you don't want out of the business. That's the first step. Yeah. Cause that's usually easiest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. can tell me what they don't want. Everybody tell me what they don't want in their life. Well, I don't want this. I don't want that. Oh, do you want to have 150 people in your payroll? No. Okay. I don't want that. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. start with everything you don't want is the first place to start. And then, the next thing I do is I say, you start with, have you guys done the five why exercise five whys? No, I don't think, I think we so. have. All right. So I always say, okay, the best place to start is just start. So tell me why you own this business. Well, own this business. Like I did this with a lady. She was like, I want to empower females across a billion females or something across the world. I said, mm-hmm. wonderful. Okay. And I'm sitting there going, okay, do you know how hard it is? First of all, there's only 8 billion people. There's only 4 billion <laughs> females. So 25% of the, no, I'm, I'm literally doing, because people say, I want to have a $100 million business. And then the first question I ask them is, and what is it going to cost you to get there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you start with, I want a $100 million business. Okay, why? Well, I want a $100 million business because I, I, I want to buy blank. Okay, Why? And I take everybody through and I keep asking, tell me why, tell me why, tell me why. And after five whys, five to seven, you can usually get down to, oh, really? I just want my dad to be proud of me. Or, oh, really? I want to build a business that my adult children would be proud. Like you can get down to like the real, and it doesn't have to be this big, meaningful thing. It might stop. And and I'll get people on the whys and they go, Casey, I just want to be rich and I want to have $10 million in my bank account. Perfect owner's intent. Now, when you hire people, tell them that. Right. Well, so why do you think people don't? Is there this fear that who wants to work for that guy or is, is it going to lack purpose or meaning? So what would you say, why are people Mm -hmm. not saying that? I don't think it's an intentional thing. I don't think that they're like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell people the real reason. I just think that they haven't necessarily thought about this, but here's what my thing is. I was saying, you have an owner's intent and you're going to live it out whether you tell people or not. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the whole thing is like, you're going to live it out. 
they're already going to know, oh, he just wants to be right. rich. And you can come into the meeting because I, here's why I'm passionate about this. I was in the church space in a company like, I want to help churches grow. Like I would come into the meetings and everything was about this corporate of what I'm going to do. Wow. This is so purpose driven. It was a lie. I just mm-hmm. wanted yeah. to be rich. Yeah. And so yeah. I know, but I was stressing my team out on pushing the net profit and creating this cash flow for myself so that I could get rich mm-hmm. while they get stressed, but they thought it was all about purpose. So why can't we do this stuff? And it was confusing for everybody because yeah. there wasn't a clear intention. And so I think that people are scared that people are not going to want to work with me if my intention is clear and it's not some like purpose driven, like make the world right. better. That's not true. Right. Then you'd mm-hmm. be a nonprofit. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And I'm if going, it was Guys, really purpose-driven, you'd be a nonprofit. That's what I keep telling yeah. people. Yeah, and I'm like, guys, yeah. just be honest about it. And there's no judgment inside yeah. of it. And what I've found is the opposite to be true. The clearer you are, the more likely you are to attract the people that will align with that, work inside of it, and, and, and everybody will be happier in the process because it's clear on what our intentions are. And so I found it actually works in the opposite way, and it's actually attractive mm-hmm. to people, not retractive to people. Yeah. I also think to you going through this that um, I, I like to look at everybody holistically, right? So it's not you're just not a business owner, but who are you? to, you know, your, your spouse and your kids. And that I would imagine that there's some people who this scares the living daylights out of them because they actually probably don't know who they are as an individual either. And so I really see that this could take you from just trying to set an intent for your business to really setting an intent for your life, because there's really no separation, you know, we're here today. And I'm a, I'm a co-host of a podcast and I'm an officer in an organization, but the most important jobs I have are that I'm a wife and a mom. Right. And so if those don't start to align, but lo- a lot of people don't know who they are. And so they're just going through life and they're going through business with other people's ideas. That's they're it. starting a business because somebody else told them, Hey, in order to be successful, you got to start a business. And that actually may not mean anything to them. So this, this mm. is this is awesome. Good, deep stuff, Casey. Well, but it drives everything is the thing is like uh, people think yeah. like the things that drive is that when you get really authentically clear with yourself and you get authentically clear with your team, it's a currency you can use. And mm-hmm. in turn, inside of the organization and clarity is one of the greatest currencies that leaders can use to either build trust, build momentum, attract talent, the, the more mm-hmm. you lack clarity with your team and authentic clarity, you will, over time, and it won't happen at first, over time, people will, they'll just look and they'll be like, he says that, but this is what happens. And so I yeah. wonder what's real. And then I meet with these people and then inside of meeting with them, it's like, eh, you know, I was once bought in, now I'm not. And I think it always is because the owner and the leader and the, and the, and the person in the organization has not been fully showing your cards. And some people disagree with me on this, by the way, Mm -hmm. old school mentality. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about money. Don't talk about all that, which is fine, but this is just why, how we do what we do. 
I love that. Well, Casey, you gave us so much to think about. And I know that our listeners right now, if they were driving, they're probably going, holy crap, I need to pull over and take a lot of notes. Uh, If that's you and you're listening right now, don't worry, you can replay it. It's such good stuff. And I'm going to tell people right now, um, and this is not even a part of what we're supposed to talk about, but hopefully they go and follow you on LinkedIn and they see what Gravy is doing, see what you're doing, because you're just an inspiration to very many people. And uh, it's just a pleasure to know you and call you a friend. Thank you. Talk about energy. I don't think you could have Casey Graham anywhere and not have a ton of energy. And he was fired <laughs> up. I love it. I love it. He always brings it. He does. <laughs> he does. He does. All right. So um, there was a lot there he gave us today. But what would you say was your, your big takeaway, your key takeaway? I know. I know. His authenticity is off the charts. My most favorite thing about him. And his energy. Gosh. Anyway, my, my yeah. biggest takeaway from Casey was really how he... He kind of said, you should plan to retire to something, not from something. So you kind of don't wind up in that place, that hopeless place he talked about where you have this emptiness and a lack of purpose when you've kind of left your business or left your whatever that is. So I really loved conceptually how we talked about making sure you have that thing you're going to go to instead of kind of just leaving it and thinking you're just going to float through life. I totally align with his intention to talk about having purpose after selling a business. Totally. How about you? And that has to be just gold for our listeners right now to really hear that. Totally. Yeah. You know, because I always say that we put a lot of intentionality around our communication and an intentionality around our lives. I love when he said that clarity becomes currency with your team. Yes. And how you can really um, use that to buy, you know, I mean, not in a way that's creepy, right? But but really use that clarity to get them involved and get them interested and passionate about what you're doing. Because if you don't have enough clarity, right, you don't have enough of that in the bank, then you don't have enough to really bring them along with you on that journey. And so whether your intent, your intention is to create a business that your kids will want to work for someday, or it's just to make a lot of money so you can have sex and party. <laughs> um, <laughs> having that, having that clarity is ultimately what will help you reach what your goal is on on either side. And like you said, no judgment. No, I mean it's your business. No judgment, but just yeah. having clarity. And it's catchy. Clarity is currency. Yeah, and the honesty yeah. about it too. You know, it's like okay, right. you get clear, but then you don't hide that. You know, so if right. your intention is to to make a billion dollars, then don't pretend it's not. Don't pretend yeah. your intention is to, like you said, serve the church or, you know, just be honest yeah. about the fact, you know, most people start a business to make money and, and that's okay. Right. So I, right. I loved how he just is so unapologetically authentic and real about those facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that he's willing to share his experiences, the good, bad, and the ugly with so many yeah when that's just, that's normally not a cool thing to do, right? Like we've created this in our society that people don't want to talk about all the things. And uh, he's made such a great platform off of that. Well, hey guys, you know what time it is. It is time for the One Next Step. As the most practical business podcast, we want to make sure that taking action isn't overwhelming to you. 
So with each episode, we're going to offer you one next step to propel you and your business forward. Today's next step is to download our activation guide, which is Gravy's core values guide. It outlines how Casey's company translates its values into everyday actions for its employees. And it's a simple yet effective way for us as leaders to help our team members understand what we should and shouldn't do because of our values. If you're looking for a tool to help strengthen your culture, we recommend you download this resource and create one for your organization. Yes, values are important. I love this download. So to download it now, text the phrase one next step to 31996 or visit one next step podcast.com. When you request today's guide, you'll also receive a summary of today's episode, which includes key quotes and takeaways and links to resources mentioned in the episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Next Step. We hope you enjoyed what you're hearing from us. And now we want to hear from you. Head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. We created this podcast to help you lead your team and grow your business. So you got it. We're going to read every single one of them. Remember, we'd like to make sure the podcast is helpful to you. So submit your business questions so one of us or a future guest can answer them during an upcoming episode by calling the One Next Step listener line at 404-480-3003. That's 404-480-3003. Until next time, own your journey. It's your life and your business. It's up to you to create the life and organization you want. Join us next week for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.